I'm Bill Hemmer. I'm Dana Perino. I'm Chris Wallace, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, April 6th, 2020. I'm Jackie Heinrich. Millions of Americans are getting laid off during the coronavirus outbreak. Charles Payne, Fox News contributor and host of Making Money with Charles Payne, says... The numbers are going to go to levels I don't think we've ever reached in this country, certainly in a short period of time. I'm Chris Foster, putting food on the table during the coronavirus pandemic. Being in this business of supplying food to the general public... I have to make sure that everything that we send out of here is safe. And I'm Paul Batura. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. As the number of coronavirus cases climbs, so does the number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits. Last week, breaking a record for the second week in a row. And in a chilling acknowledgement, the Labor Department noted that number may, in reality, be much higher after spotting what they called a misclassification in the survey, counting some jobless people as employed but absent, and also failing to reach about a third of the companies it usually collects data from. Bipartisan efforts to stop the bleeding and help Americans make ends meet have passed quickly. Lawmakers are now focused on what a potential phase four coronavirus bill could look like. While House Democrats are focused on health care centers and telemedicine, some are eyeing larger direct payments to Americans and green energy initiatives. But President Trump has indicated he wants the focus to be infrastructure. I think we're going to be really looking very seriously at a infrastructure package where it's so important for our country. We will continue to use every power, every authority, every single resource we've got to keep our people healthy, safe, secure, and to get this thing over with. We want to finish this war. We have to get back to work. We have to get, we have to open our country again. President Trump has repeatedly emphasized the need to reopen the economy quickly, but medical experts have warned against taking action too soon and stressed the need to have adequate protections in place when that happens. So what might the lasting consequences be? You know, Jackie, there's been some pretty exhaustive uh, work done on this. Charles Payne is the host of Making Money on Fox Business Network. The highest number I've read is that we can actually already see about 46 million people who are unemployed. So um, I think at this point, you know, it was interesting to see Wall Street try to uh, game that. You know, they had a consensus. They always have estimates and everything. And to say that they thought maybe we'd have 100,000 jobs lost in March, and, of course, the actual number was 700% above that. Uh, it's, it's such a guessing game at this point. It's not even worth the, the endeavor. I think more importantly, it's what you're talking about. It's what do we do about it because – The numbers are going to go to levels I don't think we've ever reached in this country, certainly in a short period of time. And and we've got to be thinking about what what it really means to real people uh, once you get beyond 46 million people uh, without a job who just lost their job. What does it really mean uh, for the survival of those households? To that point, you know, what do you think the government should be focusing on and Wall Street should be focusing on as we try to get to that point? What's going to need to happen? Well, that's a two-track uh, problem right now. The the, the one track, on, on the one hand, we're obviously uh, watching and hoping that we get uh, some sort of, uh, we start to hit some peaks here. Now, if you look at that, that Chris Murray model, uh, April 16th could be the peak with respect to deaths. Uh, that number keeps edging up right now. It's around 2,600, 2,644. Uh, and, and, and we could start to see maybe, uh, you know, s- slower new cases, uh, lower new death numbers, uh, more people going back to work. Uh, Governor Cuomo of New York talking about uh, 75,000 people who've left the hospital. we got to think about who could now be possibly 
part of a returning workforce to get the wheels of commerce moving again. Uh, because it's it's on one hand, obviously, we don't want anyone to to perish from the coronavirus. By the same token, uh, we see how difficult it's been, even with the trillions of dollars that have been allocated to this crisis in just such a short period of time. There's no way we can allow this to linger or could linger for 18 months, which is probably when we have an actual vaccine. What kind of impact is this having on the stock market and what kind of impact of jo- the jobs report specifically having on the stock market and you know are investors looking at the same things that we're looking at and saying you know these number we're looking at deaths we're looking at uh, the rate of transmission and we're waiting for those good numbers to come out are investors looking at the same things well of course they're looking at the same thing but by the same token the stock market has already had the, one of the the fastest bear market in history so wall street recognized the the severity of this uh, perhaps before anyone else did, because you get the, the, the down 30%, 32% in the blink of an eye. We were at all-time highs. Our economy was an absolute juggernaut. If you look at the numbers from January, February, even March, even right now, last week, companies are reporting their earnings for the first three months, and they're blowing the cover off the ball. Of course, that seems like it's past history, but it doesn't in the sense that it informs what can be. Once we clear this hurdle, we know where we can get back to. That's the goal, to get back to where we were. We were on the cusp of a major transition into household formation uh, and the housing boom. We had turned around manufacturing. Wages were even up, and this, and this, and this crazy jobs number that came out, wages were actually higher. So uh, I think what investors are looking at are six months from now, a year from now, uh, or where, where do we see an inflection point? Remember this. The stock market in the Great Recession leveled off in early March. It was two or three months later, maybe three months later, when the economy started to turn. So typically, typically the market moves ahead of the real news or the real true inflection point. It kind of sees it coming and it starts to react. So investors right now are just kind of saying, okay, certain things are doing pretty well. Obviously, companies that are hiring, the Walmarts of the world, the Amazons of the world, everyone's watching Netflix. So those kind of things are holding up very well. Zoom video conferencing, everybody is on Zoom, even with the security issues. But for the broader market, we're going to have to see the economy come back. And that's what the market is doing every day. It's called price discovery. And every single day, it's kind of feeling its way around because there's a lot still of unknowns out there. You know, what's I guess what I wonder about, and this brings us sort of to the discussion of the phase four bill, is the president talks so much about how, you know, we are going to bounce back from this. There was nothing inherently wrong with our economy. We were, you know, breaking records and our country was, you know, full steam ahead. And we're, you know, a month or so into this crisis. We know that the peak hasn't happened in New York yet in the epicenter. Uh, The peak's coming to states that have to deal with this you know, after we do here in New York, that this is sort of a rolling apex, if you will. You know, what will have to happen in order for that recovery to be as strong as as it could have been if it happened sooner? Because, you know, the longer this drags on, people still have to pay their mortgages. They, you know, they go months on end without a job. And suddenly that recovery is a little bit muddled. What's your take? Well, you're right. Uh, I tell people, Jackie, to always kind of think of the market, stock market and the economy as a rubber band. Uh, economists call it uh, our economy elastic. 
Uh, and there's, you know, if you could think of a straight line that kind of goes up at a 45 degree angle and this rubber band bounces around it and sometimes you pull it, you pull it all the way down. If you pull the rubber band all the way down as far as you could and you let it go, it would snap back fairly quickly. It might not get to where it was, but it would be sharp, quick. And if you had your hand there, painful. To your point, if you pull it down and you hold it down and you keep it down, and if you pull it too much, it could even break. So we're testing all of that right now. Can we get a snap back? The faster we can get back to work, the faster we can arrest this situation in terms of understanding, hey, maybe there's antibodies out there. Maybe people who've had it once won't get it again. They could be certified to go back to work. Somehow moving the wheels of commerce, until then, there's no doubt there will be a phase four. There's no doubt that all the efforts that have been done right now, everyone's saying, what about me? What about me? Now, there's a free-for-all out there. I know there's a lot of fiscal conservatives who are pretty upset uh, about, you know, the pork and, and, and what else is happening. It's true. A lot of, a lot of politicians are going to take advantage of this, but you're going to hear from the cruise lines. You're going to hear from states. Even with this small business package, as aggressive as it is, $350 billion is not enough. You're going to hear about telecom, folks in the rural areas. How do we keep up to the data when it starts to get in our neck of the woods? We don't have great hospital systems. We're going to need all the information we can get. Then there's talk of this infrastructure bill that's been around for forever, right? President Obama put through a bill, and, of course, it was shovel-ready, but the, the, you know, the paperwork wasn't there, so nothing was ready. There will be a phase four. It will be gargantuan. It will, some people will be upset, but this is a true definition of an emergency and I think the point that you made is really important. There's a true definition of urgency. There's no time to mess around and to, and to, and to, to be a purist here. As much as anyone may want to be, as much as someone may say this is going to harm us somewhere down the road because of our debt levels, at this time and place and moment in history, uh, you will see more action. In your opinion, what are the things that need to go into this bill to have the greatest impact? You know, we, we've seen that uh, Mnuchin was saying that he may ask for more money for the small business loan program and, you know, continuing legislation. It's been popular with both Republicans and Democrats. But then, um, you know, House Democrats are also asking for larger direct payments. I think Sanders in the Senate was saying he wanted something like $2,000 a month to Americans, you know, where do you determine what is actually necessary? And then where do you draw the line on what should not be part of this initiative where a lot of people are talking about green energy initiatives and trying to, you know, jam all that stuff into this next phase four? What do you think is necessary yeah. and what fat can you cut? We were, we're talking about keeping the economy going the way it was going. So what was driving the economy uh, up until early March? Keep those elements of the economy going. It was not green energy. It wasn't. Yeah, but we've got to think about some of the green energy projects that were done in the past, uh, some of those big mecha solar projects in California. I can remember multi-billion dollar packages backed by taxpayer money. And they would say, hey, you know what, we've got three or 400 people on the construction aspect of it. Then when the construction was over, they had 11 full-time employees. You can't displace industries where people are making huge money, sending their kids to college, pumping a lot of money into the coffers of, uh, of their uh, you know, local states, like a Texas or North Dakota or parts of Ohio, Pennsylvania. So I, I, those things are what I'm concerned about. Let's not force in these kind of things. Also, this isn't the time for people to, 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 get, make, to make more money than they were making. You know, I've, I've had a lot of people complain to me, well, I've got 10 employees and it's not enough money. 
you know, the money is supposed to be commensurate with what you were doing. If you had a business that was doing 100000 a year, you shouldn't get a million-dollar paycheck from the government. You know, now that said, you shouldn't maybe get a $10,000 paycheck from the government. Mnuchin is, is smart. He understands this. They, there will be another addition, additional money to the SBA. It will continue to be refined. It was just refined on Friday when they added in churches and nonprofits. So it's, it's a work in progress. And there's no doubt in my mind that small businesses are, should be the forefront of all of this. They should be the focus. The money should get out as soon as possible. And, and the idea is to help them keep and retain employees and build a bridge from here to the point where we can start to come out of this. My last question for you, you know, for better or for worse, what do you think the lasting impacts of this are going to be? Oh, boy. I, you know, as I look at it, I, I really think that we're going to kind of rethink our, our thoughts of this utopian world uh, and urbanization. Uh, you know, I think more people may consider young couples instead of living on top of each other, maybe moving out to the suburbs. I think globalization, the, the idea and notion that we're waiting for masks to come from China, that our critical medicines are made in China or India. We've seen around the world food nationalism, medicine nationalism. It is crazy. It's nuts for the most powerful country in the world to be sitting here waiting for any other country to save us. So I think we're going to see things like that change. I think there'll be, you know, more of this idea of, 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 of fear of missing out, FOMO, living for the moment. You only live once. Pick an acronym. I think people will embrace life. I think the nuclear family will remain intact. You know, there's been this new movement that started in the last year. America did it all wrong. We should have had uh, a husband and wife, two kids, and a picket fence. We should have done it like Italy and China and had the grandma in the house. You know, even in America, if you look at the hardest hit areas, like in the black neighborhoods where you have the mother, father, uncle, and grandmother, those kind of households were more susceptible. So, you know, I think some things that we thought of as being Americana and we were pushing away from it, we may reimburse them, reembrace them rather. So, and I think those are good things mm-hmm. to be quite frank with you. So I, I think there's going to be some changes in epiphany, if you will, to, to how we should live our lives and the op- optimal word there is live it and how we should position ourselves so that we're never this vulnerable again. Mm-hmm. It's hard to imagine that things would go back to the way they were, um, but hopefully what comes out of this is just a better, you know, more self-sufficient America and a whole lot more united at that. Charles Payne, yeah. thank you so much for your expertise. Well, yeah, it was great having so, you. Thank you. This is Paul Batura with your Fox News commentary coming up. Part of the story of the coronavirus outbreak has been finding normally full supermarket shelves a little emptier, completely empty in some cases. These shoppers in New York City say... I think it's insane what people are doing. I'm stocking up. Don't buy all the toilet paper in the world and 35 cans of black beans. What are you going to do with that? People in the grocery industry say panic buying appears to be slowing down as we all get used to this. And people on the supply side say things are fine there. Pat LaFrieda Jr. is CEO of Pat LaFrieda Meat Purveyors, based in New Jersey, supplying restaurants and hotels, and increasingly now, he says, the general public. Our supply to supermarkets is up dramatically, and quite frankly, it's it's something that's keeping us busy. It's keeping our meat rotated, and it, let, it allows us to keep all of our production staff, um, and we're still running six days a week, you know, almost 12 hours a day. 
your retail's that strong. I thought you uh, you do a lot of restaurant business that now you've lost, but you're picking it up with retail. Yes, with the amount of retail that we've picked up, and it, it still doesn't equate to what our restaurant business was. But the fact that we're still operating just gives you a completely different feeling of you know this 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 dire inevitable failure. So the fact that it keeps employees here meat rotating and keeps our engine going the fact that when things return to normalcy we'll be able to have our team back and and in, in such an easier um fashion than if not what we're seeing as consumers is you know closed storefronts closed restaurants uh, besides just food uh wholesalers have you heard from other wholesalers that, that are having a hard time with all this that we're not seeing any wholesaler that I've spoken to that that deals with predominantly restaurants has felt that same pinch, however, has had the same bit of positive feeling that product is still moving, that um, the same amount of people still need to eat the same amount of product. It's just that when you go from a society, a society in New York City in which 60% of all meals were eaten outside of the home to an environment in which now they all the restaurants are closed that for that period period of time and re- relied on supermarkets the supermarkets were just overwhelmed you know, so they, they could not get the staff to get the product up fast enough and you know it's a bit of of a logistical nightmare quite honestly and now that these I- these guidelines for you know staying home uh, have been extended for at least a month, and now we're going to see them roll into other states that haven't had them. Obviously, I, in the in the greater New York City area and Seattle and some other places, it's been going on for a little while now. But I wonder what's going to happen in supermarkets in northern Florida and Wyoming coming down the pike. Quite frankly, they've had a run on supermarkets as well. I don't know anyone I've ever spoken to in the U.S., regardless of state, that hasn't uh, texted me photos of their full freezer, the freezer that they purchased a few weeks ago just for this pandemic and and having it stopped. So we really have seen that. Of course, we'll see more. But for a virus to spread to 150 or more countries in a month, let's not uh, look aside from the fact that it most likely spread to all states at approximately the same speed it's just that most of the people that we know that tested positive now test negative didn't have they were asymptomatic right so what would really help is you know we want we can't ask for everything but if we had a test to tell us uh if the antibodies were present in our blood then that would tell us really how many people have already been through this um that test does exist they're trying to mass produce it i think that would give us a better feeling of 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 certainty you know just announcing new cases doesn't help that much yeah i mean you've got to get people i i bet you dollars to donuts that i've had it and was mildly symptomatic or asymptomatic and i would love to get uh out of my house and back uh and back into the office and i bet a lot of people feel the same way well if you hear what the administration said and i i listen to every detail those that have gotten it and passed it will be of those that get back to work the quickest. And where are most tests being given? In New York. I mean, I have friends from around the world 
emailing me like, Pat, I hope you're okay. I hear things are dire there. Uh, they're not that dire. Uh, you know, maybe 1% of our populations tested positive, but of those, you know, of course, excluding the fray, we don't want to lose a single person, but excluding the fray, it's, it's at most a two to three week cold. And when I say excluding the fray, yes, there are some horrific stories and, you know, we've lost some, some great people and we'll continue to, and we have no control over that. So, um, I, I, I never panic about things that I cannot control. We could just act. And I think the way we act now and the decisions that we, we make now will really determine who we are when this is over. I wonder how many restaurant spaces are going to be empty on the other side of this. How are your clients holding up and other people you've talked to? There's no doubt that the restaurant industry has been crushed, right? So, however, most of those restaurants are owned by a restaurateur or a chef. They're, they're, they are the small businesses that we speak about when we say small businesses really make up the economy and they, they really drive the economy. They want to get back to work. So the innovation that I've seen in restaurants over the last month has been amazing from being closed to curbside pickup and delivery in which some of these restaurants have never done that just to keep the ball rolling, keep some employees still there, rotate product, help the community not panic and not have this lack of food. It, it, all of that really helps the, 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 the country because Again, when things return to normalcy, it'll be that much easier to get your crew back together and be operational. Will it be some time before the general public feels comfortable in a restaurant? Of course. We're all going to feel a pinch here for a long time, and we're going to have to deal with it. Uh, what's happening in processing plants right now? Is it business as usual, extra precautions for workers, or is are those pretty uh, strict environments anyway? It, they're very strict environments anyway. Are there extra precautions being taken? Are we are, are, are we sanitizing a heck of a lot more than than we probably need to? Sure. But we're going to take every uh, safety measure that we can. And we implemented them well before um, it was mandated. But um, what's most important and why I've tracked this from the very beginning is because being in this business of supplying food to the general public, I have to make sure that everything that we send out of here is safe. And the USDA, you know, we're a USDA facility. That means that every production day, which is six days a week, we have a federal USDA inspector here to ensure our food safety. And the USDA has made the food supply chain as safe as it could possibly. It's the safest food supply chain in the world. So when this was not deemed to be uh, derived from from food, it, it's we still wanted to take the utmost precautions in our staff so that sure. you know we didn't start losing staff members. So we've taken those extra precautions in face masks and and sanitizing um, constantly from moving moving from one room to the next, from entering the building with a non-contact thermometer to see if you do have a fever. No one has been allowed in our building in the last month that doesn't actively work here. So we've shut down to the general public, um, you know, a, a month ago, and and those precautions have really 
helped our company stay healthy. Uh, we mentioned that more people are cooking at home these days. Uh, I'll put you on the spot. Any ideas on on changing it up or any tips about uh, how to get your burger, your steak as good as the restaurant that you now can't go to? The consumers have been innovating themselves. And I've just seen uh, such an increase in quality in Instagram-worthy photos. That it's amazing. You know, it's natural light and, 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 and uh, no flash. I'm like, oh, everyone's catching on. It's great. But uh, a couple things. We, we were always worried about uh, bread because during Hurricane Sandy, you know, although we never closed because we have generators, on day three, there was no bread available in, in the state. So this time around, we've had bread and yeast. So being able to make your own dough and let it rise and make bread or pizza um, or sausage rolls or things of that nature are so much fun to do with kids. Uh, that That's a, a great uh, way to, to really spend family time and, and to cook. So um, and, and if you just make a loaf of fresh bread and put that next to some steaks or burgers that, that, that you've grilled. I mean, just the smell of the, of the bread, you know, something that, that we don't get to experience as much anymore with, you know, uh, store bought, uh, baked goods. It, it's just an experience that brings me back to my childhood. Pat, it's good talking to you. Pat Lafrida, CEO of Pat Lafrida's Meat Purveyors. Stay safe, my friend. We'll all get through it. You too, my brother. Thank you. Here's a look at the week ahead. Among the major events that were scheduled for this week but were canceled or postponed because of the coronavirus, the NCAA Men's Basketball Finals, the Masters Golf Tournament, and the Coachella Music Festival. But some things are still happening. On Tuesday, Wisconsin holds its presidential primary. The governor says he doesn't have the authority to postpone the vote despite fears of the virus spreading at polling locations. Officials are hoping most people cast absentee ballots. The primary results could be an indication of whether Senator Bernie Sanders has enough support to continue his campaign. Wednesday evening is the start of Passover. Jewish families retell the story of the biblical exodus from slavery following a series of plagues. It's a story with new relevance this year. Also more relevant than ever for Christianity, Holy Week, including Good Friday and Easter Sunday, with its promises of salvation, redemption, and hope. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. Download and subscribe to original podcast from Fox News Radio. It's time to get caught up on what's happened and what's next. I'm Jared Halpern from Washington. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Paul Patera. What's on your mind? After a day of typical boyhood battles in our home, fights over Legos, tears and tussles from chronic sibling rivalries, including arguments over who got more, who started it, and who wouldn't stop it, the late evening had come and the air had finally fallen silent in the house. It was bedtime. I love sitting on the side of our boys' beds, watching them settle into the comfort of warm blankets and soft pillows. But even more so, I often find the late evening conversations with them to be the sweetest and most meaningful of the day. 
This past Saturday night, Will, who was nine, was asking about the coronavirus. We've tried to balance the subject in our home, but in addition to washing our hands a lot, we've been praying as a family for the sick and the healthcare workers as well as for a miraculous turn of events. How many people have died from the coronavirus, Daddy? Will asked in a tone that seemed more curious than frightened. Too many, but less than you might think, I began, somewhat stalling to find the right tone in words. I hope I don't get it, or Riley or Alex, and I hope you and Mommy don't get it, he said, adding, Grandmother or Papa either. I paused. In good conscience, I couldn't tell him it would never happen. It might very well. Everybody's at risk for getting COVID-19. So what did I say to him? Here's the essence of how I responded, and what we've been talking about as a family. It's possible we could get the coronavirus, but it's even more possible and probable that we won't. And even if we did, there's an even greater chance we'd recover from it. So don't be fearful. Now is the time to be strong. Now is the time to be courageous. You're old enough to know that bad things sometimes happen to good people. It's not fun. We don't look for trouble, but troubles find everybody. It's always been the case. In order for you to have been born, your grandparents and great-grandparents made it through a lot, and things a lot worse than COVID-19. They've made it through wars, famines, and all kinds of diseases and plagues. They sometimes didn't have enough money. They sometimes didn't have a lot of food. But you know what? They had enough. God provided, and they survived. When you're living through tough and dark times, it sometimes seems like it'll never end, that the morning will never come. But the sun will rise again. It always does. There was once a pastor who quipped, tough times don't last, but tough people do. I think that's mostly true. Historically, the future favors the brave. But tough people get sick too, and tough people die also. Just visit any military cemetery where you'll see row upon row of white crosses and Star of David markers. We're living in remarkable times with great technological advancements, but there are no guarantees. There have never been any guarantees. Every war we've fought could have been lost. Every cure we enjoy today may never have been found. Yes, the current crisis is potentially catastrophic, but heroes are forged in fire, and when we all emerge from this nightmare, I believe we're going to be stronger and more resilient for having endured it. We're a country full of good people who are doing great things. In America, the ordinary regularly do the extraordinary. You know, during World War II, Winston Churchill famously said, we're not made of sugar candy. Nearly 80 years later, and neither are we. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Download Living the Bream with Shannon Bream. Brett Bear, welcome. With Living us. the Bream, I love it. <laughs> we thought it was the right level of cheese. Oh, yeah. Maybe too much, but. No, you know, no, no, that's good. Less- Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.